obviously when you move to the other side of the fence, you know, on your on smaller side uh, companies, you have to be very careful about your budgets. And uh, social media is really one of the tools that uh, can help you get there with minimum budget. Think about it. Anything we buy today, if it's a car, if it's a computer, anything, we go first search online. We try to understand the product, uh, the pros, the cons. And then when we go to the showroom or to any place you want to buy the product, we already have our mind already set. You know, it's basically just closing the deal where we, we want to get some some uh, clarity. So, so what I'm doing is more on influencing side, basically having people to see that the value of what we're offering as a company in terms of knowledge, expertise, uh, presence, versus just going out there and telling people how great we are. Welcome to What Are We Talking About, a podcast produced by Water Online. Hosts Jim Laurier of Maisie Injector Company and Adam Tank of Transcend Water, a dynamic boomer millennial combo, will help you demystify how to build a better brand for your business, keep current and prospective customers engaged with your company, and ultimately grow your sales. They interview some of the most interesting and unique water professionals who have used the art of storytelling to move the needle for themselves and for their organizations. So today's guest is Waleed Corey. Waleed is the uh, general manager of Decelitics. And uh, Waleed, I, I got to know you through LinkedIn and uh, your, your poll questions, your short video interviews, really impressive. And I think, what are you, over 20,000 followers now on LinkedIn, which is really, really impressive. And so we're really happy to have you as our guest today. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here. I mean, you've interacted a lot, so it, it's always good to catch up. Thank you. Yeah. And, and same for me. I mean, I, I met you primarily through LinkedIn and got to know you through LinkedIn. And then I've recently met in person, which is a fantastic meeting. I think our picture broke the internet in terms of virality for, for water influencers. So that was pretty cool. So actually, I would love to start there, Wally. Tell us a bit about your journey in becoming a water influencer of, start, of sorts um, and that social media sort of strategy that you're on. And we'll talk about how that translates into your the business that you're now running. Okay, yeah. I mean, you know, Adam, it's it's kind of by chance. So I was always a big fan of LinkedIn, but not to the extent of what I'm doing today. So, so during COVID, you remember, like we were all into a lockdown. You cannot go out. You know, you kind of cut off the rest of the world. No exhibitions, and uh, I was a little bit frustrated from people saying that desalination is expensive. So yeah, it is expensive, but but compared to what, you know? So, so I posted the question saying like. Do you think desalination is expensive, you know? And then I've got a lot of, you know, comments, positive, negative about desalination and so on. So I said, okay, you know what? People like to interact. Let me try another question the next day. And then here comes another question. And you see all the great minds on the internet talking to each other and trying to argue about the pros and cons about things. And, and this is how it started. So I had plenty of time because of the lockdowns. And at the same time, I was seeing all the interactions from people. So I said, okay, let me keep doing it. And this is how it really picked up. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things Adam and I always talk about, and, and it, we talk about the fact, and, and you are like the perfect example, right? So you started your career with Nalco and uh, worked for GE Water and, and then Danaher, big, big companies. And now you're working on your own. So we always joke about the fact that 
if you if you're working for a big company, you have a pretty big size marketing budget. So we joke about when you're working for a smaller company, it's guerrilla marketing versus 800 pound guerrilla marketing. So can you tell us a little bit about how you've navigated that big company, now a smaller company to, to use you know limited funds to get where you want to go with your marketing? Yeah, that's true. I mean, with Adam, also we were in the same company at one point in time, you know, in the GE days. So, so as you say, Jim, like a lot of budgets spent, you know, you can organize these big events, blow $50,000 on an exhibition. Sometimes you don't really measure real, really the returns because you, you cannot see it. You cannot really have tools to measure the returns. And uh, obviously, when you move to the other side of the fence, you know, on your on smaller side uh, companies, you have to be very careful about your budgets. And uh, social media is really one of the tools that uh, can help you get there with minimum budget. Think about it. Anything we buy today, if it's a car, if it's a computer, anything, we go first search online. We try to understand the product, uh, the pros, the cons. And then when we go to the showroom or to any place you want to buy the product, we already have our mind already set. You know, It's basically just closing the deal where we, we want to get some, some uh, clarity. So... So what I'm doing is more on influencing side, basically having people to see that the value of what we're offering as a company in terms of knowledge, expertise, uh, presence versus just going out there and telling people how great we are, you know, and, and that's why it's so important to rally people around uh, the industry uh, around and uh, try to get to that point where, where you demonstrate yourself as a really a, a technology uh, uh, I won't say expert, but at least knowledgeable uh, people to go to, and then customers will follow you and come to you. So it's a completely different game, and it's it's much cheaper in terms of uh, budgets, and the return on investment it's it's really high. It's, it can be outstanding. Let's let's talk about that idea that social media, again, I'll use this term influencer status, can actually have an ROI. Like, can you point me to some specific examples of where? a post that you've done or some sort of series that you've done on LinkedIn has, has gained you business? Yeah, I can give an example of uh, back when I was still at the hack days, you know, so we posted uh, a short video that we've done already comparing the analyzer, like the SL1000, which is basically just put, insert some, some uh, plastic cam keys to test water. It's very easy to test versus a traditional method where you do all the uh, mixing of water and chemicals and reagents and so on. So, so I posted this video and then I was getting some leads and people asking for, for uh, the product and I was channeling it to our inside sales teams, you know, and they closed, uh, I think, three or four deals back then, which is like almost $20,000 from just a post, you know, so it's, it's, it's really, it's brilliant. I, yeah. I tend to tell, you know, I tend to tell people like LinkedIn is not anymore for searching for jobs. Of course, you can find jobs, but but you have to work upfront, you know, because it's you build your community, your exper expertise, your your brand, your aura on LinkedIn before even going for a job, making connections like like the great connections I have with you and Adam. I mean, who would have thought that we will connect uh, like, you know, in, in, in a typical fashion way and you go to exhibitions, there's thousands of people. How, how what are the chances of connecting? Sure, sure. One of the things that's impressive too with you, Walid, is your uh, ability to uh, communicate cross-culturally, right? You, you, you're connected to so many people worldwide and uh, maybe talk a little bit about that, um, how you've planned that, how you've actually, you know, been able to implement that strategy. Yeah, you know, I think there are 
two basic things that, that you always need to be careful about. First is that uh, respect. So when you're online, you have to be respectful because cultural differences are, are very big and, and you have to really, really what's, what makes sense for you might not make sense for somebody else. And that's why you have to be always uh, putting extra efforts on being uh, very respectful in what you write, what you post uh, and so on. And at the same time, you have to think that People are all the same. You know, we all have the same basic needs, you know, like we want to get married, you want to have kids, you want to have families, you know, we want them to send them to school, good schools. So it's basically the same needs. So if, if you put this in your, in your mindset that people are the same around the world and you apply what you do in the real world, basically you see like people are the same to the online world, then you're successful. Not going with preconceived ideas, you know, and, and thinking from our own experience, how people would be reacting, you know, just making, being broad. Walid, are you finding that your online presence and the way that you're communicating the value of your business and maybe even just you as a person is translating well to markets like sub-Saharan Africa? I know you're doing a lot of projects in some fairly remote places in Africa. Are, are you able to link those two? And if so, talk about it. And if not, let's talk about that too and how you're building that relationship in person instead of online. Yeah, it's it's challenging. You know, what I've noticed in some markets in sub-Saharan Africa is that people are not really actively into LinkedIn. So they are more on, on the job type still uh, mindset where you basically you go and you just update your profile. So in case somebody is looking for a job, you can, they can hire you. So so when I go on sites, for example, last week, uh, two weeks ago, I was in Zambia. So I met with one of the customers and then I educate them on what I'm doing. So I tell them, you know, like, this is my job, you know, coming, meeting you and so on. But at the same time, I try to bridge uh, international players to the African market. So I do a lot of discussions, video discussions about technology, about products. So it would be good if you guys can can also be active on LinkedIn. And then they connect with me and they start seeing, seeing what we're doing. But where it's helping me a lot also is on educating the US, European, Korean suppliers about the value of the market. because. Now they see what we are doing and it gets more, more leverage. So, so it's really helping uh, even in Africa because I'm capable of bridging the gap between two completely different worlds. Mm. You know, Elid, whenever you put yourself out there on uh, uh, social media, you always take a chance of some people saying things, negative things about you. And, and you brought up uh, desalination. I wrote a piece about desalination once and I got comments from I'm a pro-business uh, hack who's just writing to make money for my company. And then someone said I was an uninformed environmentalist uh, for the same post about desalination. So, so I mean, you always take a chance of people writing negative comments. Uh, how do you handle that? I mean, obviously, you write a lot. You, you get a lot of postings. So there's got to be sometimes when somebody says something negative. Yeah. You, you know, Jim, like my first experiences... I was like, kind of, why is this person is saying this? You know, I would block them. I would, I would delete the post. I will report it as inappropriate and, and all of these things. Of course, if there is like bad words and so on, you can report it as uh, inappropriate and LinkedIn will, will clean it out. But then I discovered that if you just ignore the comments, it will fade, you know, because, because LinkedIn will not even give it a priority. You know? so, so basically, I just ignore them. So, so... I, like, for example, now we're doing the uh, the Blue Cup uh, Award. You know, it's getting tons of traction, thousands of people voting. 
And then you get a few people making some nasty comments. Are you paid by this company or stuff like this? You know, I just ignore them. And, and literally they fade out in, in, uh, in LinkedIn. The algorithm is really well done in the way that they only get in front of you what are relevant, you know, things that are relevant for you as a, as a user. Yeah, great advice. You're listening to the What Are We Talking About podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. This podcast is produced by Water Online, the leading web-based community for water and wastewater professionals. Showcasing the knowledge and authority of industry thought leaders, Water Online provides actionable content from vendors you can trust. And now, back to today's podcast. Waleed, Jim and I on this show, we often talk about, you know, the pump supplier, the, the, the guy or gal who is in their car all the time going out and knocking on utility doors. And they're probably, if they're listening to this, they're probably thinking, you know, what good is, is having a LinkedIn presence going to do? The most important thing is that I'm there in person with the customer, right? Meeting their needs, talking to them on a regular basis. What, what would you have to say to that person relative to having a presence online? I think they need to have both. You know, you can never, I mean, we've seen it in COVID. Like we saw that you can do everything online. You don't need the physical people interaction. And I can express it from myself, Jim, when I met you in, in WefTech, you know, and Adam also when we met in WefTech and Amsterdam. I mean, we've known each other online, but the fact that we connect, you know, like on a, on a uh, uh, not a virtual world, like a real world, it really takes the relationship to a different level. And I think we need both because people are online. We like it or not. People today are online. They will make their decisions online. And then just to reconfort them in their final decision to be on the face-to-face meeting. So if you're not doing both of them, there is no way uh, that they will be successful. If they are a pump supplier, chances are that there are hundreds of other uh, pump supplier companies already into digital marketing, having presence online, and they are in front of customers every day. So you, they will be definitely missing out. They have to be in both worlds. It's it's kind of a. At the end of uh, the Aquatech show, we had a a live talk show with uh, Antoine and Bjorn, and this was about this. I mean, can we take out the real world, or we still have to be in both worlds? I think we have to be both. The metaverse is still far away, you know, from from being completely real. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And and one of the things that you've really promoted, uh, well, it is uh, not only the importance and the value of water, but also the importance of gender diversity. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that aspect of how you're going forward with your business? Yeah, you know, when I started my career, I mean, at university, we had like 10% uh, women engineers. And this was like 25 years ago. And uh, probably maybe in the Middle East, which is more conservative uh, uh, culture. So think about it, 10% women uh, engineers, by the time they graduate and they start working and then maybe they get married, they, they decide to stop working or they move to another field also because a lot of people, they change careers, you know? So, so you end up with a 2%, 3% of, of women. So, so basically there is no way you can have representation in the industry if you don't really encourage women to join uh, the field, but also create inclusive environment for them to be uh, in the industry. Today we see like in, in water industry, it's very low in terms of uh, gender diversity. And I was really influenced by my mom. So, so my mom, for example, used to do three jobs at the same time uh, when we were kids to be able to, to meet both ends. 
And I strongly believe because she was a woman, she had to do these three jobs. If she was a man, she would have been promoted in her school and maybe she would have become the supervisor of the school. And just, that's it. She doesn't have to do like three jobs, you know? <laughs> so, so that's what really guided me. And I always encourage women to not only join the industry, but also grow their careers. So in, uh, in the last organization that I was running, when I took over, we were at 14% women diversity. And uh, when I left five years later, it was 50%. So I'm really proud of what we achieved as a team. And the most important part, it's it's an engineering, uh, sales engineering organization. So it's not like just admin uh, type of, you know, making the number look good. It was across the whole spectrum. And, and that's what I'm trying to convey again, now that I'm starting a company from scratch to my uh, colleagues is that we need to hire the best talent but if we want to have the best talent, we have to broaden our pool of talent to be able to, to tap into all what's available in the market. And, and luckily, today we're doing really well. We are at uh, overall 46% women in our industry, in our team, which is in water industry, is, it's amazing. And uh, 43%, uh, 38% are uh, in management, so in leadership roles. And the best thing about it, and by chance we did not pick it, you know, it's like 42% of the women we have are single moms, you know, so, so you really, you feel like the impact you're making towards, uh, towards uh, the society. And I pick gender because this is where we have in our region the biggest gap, but, but diversity is many things, you know, but I focus more on gender, but, but definitely diversity is much more than ju just gender. My question for you is, how are you going about this? I mean, those numbers are remarkable. How can other people follow suit and, and do an effective job? I think we have to be intentional about it, you know? And like, I had some careers discussions with, with some of our women employees that will say that, yeah, but I don't want to be promoted because I I'm a woman. And they are right to do so. But my answer to them is that, nine out of 10 times you will be penalized because you're a woman. So if one of the times you're, you're lucky enough to say, okay, you know what? I have two candidates, let me promote the woman. Uh, don't be shy about it, you know, because you're always penalized about it. One of my managers one time said, you know, but she's getting married, so she might be pregnant. Why sh shall I hire her? I told him, if you didn't, if your mom wasn't pregnant, you would not have been here today, you know? So, so, <laughs> so, so you have to be intentional about it. You have to look, early ahead for candidates. You cannot just post a job and then wait for, for candidates to apply because you will have, again, the same applicants applying. So you have to develop a pipeline of talent. So when the role is available, you can reach out to them and tell them, look, there is this job open, go apply. Okay, if you're competent enough, you'll get the job, but, but go and apply for this job. We had a case, for example, where we met a, an employee and she was really outstanding. We didn't have a role for her. This was in the GE days, uh, Adam. And basically two months later, we thought, you know what? We can create a role for her because she really fits in this specific segment. And this is what we did. So of course, when everybody applied, she was the best candidate. So, so you have to be really intentional and always thinking about it and, and influencing your leadership team that they have to think the same way. First, they will be uh, kind of uh, reluctant. They will think, it's okay, we just want to show the numbers, they look good. But once they see the performance, then they are convinced. Uh, 
I, I joke about it in uh, in my new organization. It's basically a commercial organization, so it's easy to measure the performance numbers. <laughs> if you sell, you're successful. So I joke about it. I say like it's very easy to measure on our CRM system who's selling more. You <laughs> know, so 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 in terms of performance, you can see that when you have a mix of talent, you have a better organ- uh, performing organization. Yeah, and I think the fact that you know your numbers so well on diversity, I mean, it's the old, you manage what you measure. And if you're measuring it, then you know where you stand and then how to address that so you can make those changes to what the diversity structure looks like. Correct, correct, definitely. Always thinking that we need to be at hiring the best candidates or else it will be counterproductive. Challenge them on finding a good state of candidates and then the numbers will, will, will follow. Sure. And so we're going into 2022. Well, what 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 do you see going forward uh, for your business, for the water industry in general? Any any things you can kind of look at that uh, we're we're coming into the next year? For my business, it's uh, we want to continue executing what we're doing. So basically, we set a target for ourselves to be in 20 countries in uh, in the sub-Saharan African market. We're almost now at nine nine countries. I don't know if we'll be able to hit the 20 countries, but direction is this where we want to be. And most importantly, we want to deploy processes in these countries. So, so when we, anything we're doing, we're doing it across the whole company. So later we can really be uh, scaling up, up the business. In terms of uh, impact, apart from the gender and, and the hiring and the job creation, we're working more now on, on finding partnerships where we can deliver equipment to countries in need who cannot afford it. So we're looking more on the social activities also uh, and, and more social impact part. As an industry, I think more and more we'll be shifting towards uh, uh, circular economy. And uh, like, like you cannot expect today to still build a huge amount of networks and pipes and kilometers to, to track water into a city and then other kilometers of pipes to track it back out of the city to treat it, you know? So it's, it's really a, an old model. So I think more and more we see of the circular part of the economy happening, you know, and of course, this digestion software, like Adam, the software you guys are working on, you know, it's, there's no point of, of reinventing the wheel every time in everything. So you need to drive more productivity, you know, and, and get things much more aligned. All right, Walid, I feel like this is a good time to ask you the, the pinnacle question that we ask everyone that comes on the show. So Jim and I have hired an airplane that you get to fly all around the world in front of the home of every water professional. And on the back of the airplane, you get a sentence worth uh, for a message. Again, you can promote in front of the home of every water professional. So what would you want that banner, that message to say? So we're going back on the guerrilla marketing. So I have money. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Exactly. So I would, I would say, let's move from scarcity to abundance. And, and I'll explain what I mean by that, because we always talk about scarcity, but today we have the solutions, you know, it's not like 50 years ago. So we have all the solutions. First, p- proper water management. So, so we don't waste water and we use water adic- adequately. Then treating water, but then also applying the water, treated water, because depending on, on the application, you can treat water differently. Mm-hmm. 
and it can be very cost efficient. So it really kills me when I hear always people talking about water scarcity. Water scarcity is sexy because you know I can get money out of it. And and but today we have the solutions. You know, there's plenty of water to treat, and and it's just about us to to really uh, apply technology management, technology, and also uh, reuse. You know. So I would like to see people shifting from this scarcity mindset to abundance mindset. Great, great stuff, uh, Willie. We really appreciate having you as our guest. We know that our audience will get a lot of value out of this interview. So thanks again. Happy New Year. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get together next year, I'm sure, to see each other um, at some trade show. Definitely. I mean, thank you, Jim and Adam, for, for hosting me. I know you guys are doing really great work by, by having these podcasts. It takes tons of energy and effort to, to, to get these things uh, happening. So thanks again, and I wish you also best holidays and looking forward to catching up in one of the events or online in uh, 2022.